You're listening to What the History, a podcast where two nerds talk about some awesome, crazy, random stuff you probably don't remember learning about, but you're going to now. Hey, nerds, this is Sarah and Casey. Um, we are coming at you with an episode completely fueled by the fact that I want cookies. And I recently placed my Girl Scout cookies order, and I think about it every day. And so we thought we would do the history of the Girl Scouts. Yeah. As a, a fun way to think about cookies some more. I don't. I even, got my cookies a while ago. I just ordered them, like, last week. And so I'm like, just... I don't know why I got them so quickly. I thought they were, like, a spring thing, but... Yeah, I feel like they aren't out yet. But I don't... normally I just get them outside, like, the grocery store, but I was worried they won't be set up this year. So I ordered some. Oh, yeah, that's true. What's your favorite kind of cookie? Thin mint. Of course it is. That's the correct answer. Oh, my God, you're so basic. Oh, what's yours? (laughs) I don't even want to tell you because I'm so embarrassed. What is it? It's, oh, my God. What is it, Okay, it's shortbread one? Yes, it's my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a grandma cookie. I always have a cup of tea. Mine has flavors. I know, but you're <laughs> mine is like subtle. Mine is like a biscuit or something. I mean, I like the shortbread ones, but thin and mint. I actually like thin mint ice cream. They used uh, to have yes. it like the friendlies would be like yes. partnering with them. Yes, um, I think the best one is no, I don't think they have it anymore. Do they have that peanut butter one? I don't know. I don't like peanut butter, so I'm weird. Wow, really? Yeah, I'm not a peanut butter fan. Yeah, Eric likes, I think it's the coconut one. I hate coconut. Oh, yeah, the Samoas or whatever. Yes, yeah. Or do they call them that anymore? Well, I'll touch on it. Okay. Um, Okay. (laughs) I'll touch on it. ahead of ourselves. Kind of. When I talk about kind of conspiracy theories, it'll come up. Oh, perfect. Okay, cool. Yeah, we've got some cool stuff for you today. Um, Sarah's going to talk about the founder. Um, I'm going to talk about the history and like the progression of the Girl Scouts and some of their like traditions. And Sarah, of course, is going to touch on some uh, controversy and I guess conspiracies, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I tried to find conspiracy theories. It's a stretch, but oh, well, everything's a conspiracy theory in my book. All right. I'm ready when you are. Okay, so we're going to start talking about the founder. Her name was Juliet Magill Kinsey Gordon, and she was born on October 31st of 1860 in Savannah, so cool. Georgia. Mm-hmm. She went by Daisy as a child. Which is a thing. I love that. Yes. Precious. Like, she has four names. None of them are Daisy, but also she went by Daisy. Yeah. So she was the second of six children, and her dad, Willie Gordon, was a cotton broker, and uh, her mother, Eleanor Nellie. Kinsey was a writer and her family actually played a role in the founding of Chicago. So they're fairly like well-off prominent, not crazy rich, but like a well-off family. Yeah. I'll touch on that a little bit too, actually. Yeah. And so when Juliet was six months old, her father joined the Confederate army. Not Uh, the best. Um, Yeah. And her whole family moved to be near where he was stationed in Georgia. And they were actually friends with General Sherman and her uncle in particular, like, knew him. And How, so, though? Wasn't he a Union soldier? I'm sorry, Union general? Probably. Yeah, it's Sherman's yeah. first to the sea. He was yeah, Union. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. oh, yeah. Interesting. And so they knew him. And basically, at one point, after the Union was doing well, it was, like, starting to become clear they might win. They'd suffered, suffered some defeats at, like, a variety of battles. Sherman came to the family and basically helped her mother and all the kids move to Chicago. 
So he was like, we're going to get you out of here, basically, and helped them do that. So, yeah, it was like her uncle made all these connections for them. Which is good because, like, Sherman literally fucked up. Yeah. Like, he just destroyed everything in his path. So Yeah. Yeah. And so when they get to Chicago, um, Daisy or Juliet actually gets pretty sick. She has brain fever. Whatever brain fever is. I'm sorry. What the fuck is brain fever? You know, I don't know why I didn't click that. I think I saw it and just assumed it was like red fever or yellow fever or something. But this a is part brain of the brain. Fever. Okay, holy shit. Brain fever describes a medical condition where a part of the brain becomes inflamed and causes symptoms that present as fever. The terminology is dated and is encountered most often in Victorian literature. But basically, it's like a severe headache and stiff neck, but it's basically meningitis. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Which is so, really fucking bad now, too. It so. is. She does recover, like, without any severe known complications. But as soon as they move, like, away from her father to Chicago, she gets really sick as a kid. And they're there for a few months before President Johnson issues the Amnesty Proclamation, which allows her father to, like, reunite and move move the family back to Savannah to be with him. Okay. Um. So they resettle in the South. She was basically known as like a kind of weird eccentric kid. So she was very artistic. She was always doing art and poetry and things like that and didn't really care about her schoolwork. And so she and a bunch of her cousins would like put on plays and they had a little fake magazine they put out and they had a club called Helping Hands where they sewed children for local children of Italian immigrants. I'm sorry, wait, they I said sewed? So, I, I, no, sewed clothing wait. for children. <laughs> okay, so I thought you said sold children, and then I was like, no, no, she said sewed children. Right, and which then I was is also like, not good. Both they, of these are incredibly terrifying. Sewed clothing for, I did write sewing children in my notes, <laughs> um, which is the problem, but <laughs> they sold no. <laughs> oh my god. You guys all got the point. It was called Helping Hands. That's like more ominous, honestly. <laughs> yeah, fair. I love it. So there was like a note that I didn't enjoy that was like her parents raised her with traditional southern values, emphasizing duty, obedience, loyalty, and respect. So and she's racism. Ba- yes. They sorry, sent her to they sent her to like fancy boarding schools. She went to Europe to study painting. She's very much like a Southern Belle. Right? She sounds like the March sisters in yes. the in one little person. women. In one person. In one person. And that's basically what's happening. So she like does all these different things. She's like this well-educated kind of Southern belle. But she's also seen as a little bit weird because she's more interested in some of these like artistic things and creative things that other girls aren't necessarily at the time. Mm. So in 1880, one of her sisters dies and she moves back oh. to the Savannah home. Um, to help with the household duties because her mom was like grieving and a mess. And so she moves back home to help. While she's there, she meets William McKay Lowe. And mm-hmm. they actually court in secret for a couple of months until Ooh. he goes off to college. And so they break it up at that time. While he's at college, instead of like following him or anything, she goes off to Europe and she learns all these skills. She like apprentices with people. She learns shorthand. She learns bareback horse riding. She learns to hunt partridge. Wow. Yeah. That's the bird, right? Yes. Partridge and yep. Yeah. Pear tree. She has her own little like room spring up when they break up. Good for her. Three years later, after she's back in Savannah and he's done with college, they meet up again and they actually get engaged. So they, like, come back together. 
after they get married, they spend a lot of time apart because she's having some medical problems and he's on all these like long hunting trips and off gambling and just kind of living his life. Mm. And so they don't actually spend a lot of time together and she is not able to have children. And so as a combination of those things, their marriage isn't going very well. Right. Yeah. She also is keeping herself busy by doing all these things she loves to do. So she's doing her like sewing and painting. She also does a lot of charity work. Um, she like hosts some royals that their family knows when they're in town. So she like has kind of parties and galas. She That's learns cool. woodworking and ironworking and metalworking and like all sorts of stuff like that. She visits she visits lepers and people with all these diseases like she's doing all sorts of stuff um and he hates it right he's like you should have kids and stay home and like she can't have kids kids. so like fuck you that's part of staying home she's just doing shit at home yes that's part of the tension (laughs) um so in 1901 after they've been married for like 15 years almost she finds out he's having an affair And so she leaves and goes back to her family's home in Savannah again. Good for her. And she worried that he was going to divorce her, which at the time obviously was not good for her. So she sent him a telegram asking for a year before either of them made any final decisions. Okay. And he actually didn't want to get divorced, right? Because he got caught cheating, but he didn't want to get divorced. He wanted to like maintain the reputational marriage. And so he actually at first agrees to this and is fine. And after a year, he writes her and saying, I'd like to live apart permanently. And she agrees. So they stay married, but they live apart. Yes. But they're like separated. He then decides he wants a divorce after that. And so he begins withholding money from her, basically (sighs) like trying to goad her into a divorce. What a dick. Um, And she goes to a lawyer and finds out that the The laws at the time were for a divorce to be granted. She either had to prove adultery and desertation, which she couldn't because she had left. Right. um, Or adultery and cruelty, which there was no like known abuse that they, right. He kind of sucked, but there was no like physical abuse is what they would have taken. And that wasn't really the case. And in that case, to use adultery, she would have had to name the mistress And that would have had all sorts of repercussions, not only for the mistress, but for her family, because it's like another prominent family. It would have just looked bad all around. Right, right. So they end up in these really slow divorce proceedings where they're like debating back and forth. They end up not divorced yet, but she gets like an alimony payment of sorts. And so she gets some money. She's able to buy a house on her own and kind of live her best life. He has a stroke at one point. And so she halts all the divorce proceedings because she says it's not fair when he's in the hospital and, like, can't come to court to defend himself. Right. Um, And he then dies before they can actually get divorced. Oh, shit. I mean, I don't want to say that's lucky, but, like... No, but it turns out after that that he left everything in his will to the mistress. Are you kidding me? Yeah. He actually, in his will, revoked the earlier deal that provided her funds. Um... So she's kind of screwed, but his sisters step up and they contest the will in support of Juliet. Wow. And so they argue and they end up reaching basically a settlement, right? She got some sum of money. She got the home that they had lived in and the land. She got some portion of his stocks and securities. It seems like the mistress also got some form of money 
right? It was kind of like a settlement. But she ended up getting stuff because his sisters were like, no, he's a fuck boy and we've got you. Which is like, I mean, that's fucking crazy. Like you literally are living in a society where, and we're still in a place like this now where women are financially dependent on men in a lot of circumstances. But like literally there's no other fucking option for you as a woman. Right. what 1903 or whatever we are yeah 1905 yeah yeah so like you really fucked her over by like saying sorry you you're basically like a a barren widow who nobody wants and now you have nothing to offer anybody including money so like right yeah but she no you're right she and i don't even mean to use the word barren because i know that's like obviously not like but that's what they would but that's what they would have said and it's just like that's infuriating yeah and so she takes Ugh. this like money in life and she learns now she learns sculpting and then she goes on like <laughs> she travels a bunch and just learns a bunch of other random skills like she's literally just like how do I do this how do I do that like this woman would have loved like Skillshare yeah um, imagine her fucking Etsy shop <laughs> exactly she does everything so she's That's just like cool. living her best life at this point and she has the benefit of not having been divorced she's technically a widow Right. And so there's not as much like stigma. Yeah, stigma around it. Even though people know they weren't together and stuff, mm-hmm. she's technically a widow, which is a much better position to be in than a divorced woman. So in May of 1911, she is at a party and she meets Sir Robert Baden Powell. And he tells her about a program he organized called the Boy Scouts. The Boy Scouts mm-hmm. had like 40,000 members at the time. It was really big on the importance of military preparedness and having fun, which are two things she really appreciated. And, that's <laughs> and also literally... seemed like the polar fucking opposite. Right? I'm like, okay. But <laughs> her and um, Baden Powell become really good friends and they start spending a lot of time together over the next few years. And at that point, I will turn it over to you in the 1912 range. To yeah. talk about how the Girl Scouts come to be. Yeah. So she, like you said, she'd met Baden-Powell in London. And she basically decided that it was like a dream of hers to give the United States and the world, quote, something for all the girls. So basically like the equivalent of Boy Scouts, but for girls. So Girl Scouting in the U.S. officially started on March 12th, 1912, when Juliet Daisy Gordon Lowe organized the first Girl Guide Troop. So it wasn't called the Girl Scouts, and that's going to be important in a little while because there's some crazy drama with that. But it was called the Girl Guide, Girl Guides of America. Yeah, okay, yes. Girl Guides of America. Girl Guides. And there were 18 girls that met together uh, that March of 1912 in Savannah, Georgia. And basically, their goal was to just like bring girls outside of their homes, um, have them experience the outdoors which all of my articles said like out of doors, which I don't understand. It's so wordy to say my that. My question whatever. about that is that they also say in of doors? In of doors. That's what I mean. <laughs> like, I don't know. And then also have the opportunity for these girls to develop, quote, self-reliance and resourcefulness, which now that you've kind of explained all of her background, yeah. I think it's like a huge, like it makes a lot of sense. Right. Um, and so since then, the Girl Scouts has actually been organized and run exclusively by women for girls and women. Um, yeah. So like you can, I'll talk a little bit about it later, but you can kind of volunteer. Um, there's like different ways to be like an individual Girl Scout and being part of a troop and whatever. So something that I thought was interesting, you mentioned that her family was one of the earliest settlers in Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. And so her grandmother or great grandmother was Juliet Magill Kinsey. 
and her grandfather was John Harris, and they were actually some of the most important settlers of the Northwestern Territory. And her grandmother actually wrote a book um, titled something, it's called Woban, The Early Day, and it's basically just like a, a book about her experiences in survival and building things and being outside and having to basically survive. And so a lot of what you find in the early traditions of the Girl Scouts with what Lowe especially like emphasizes in the early Girl Scouts is incorporated because of what she read about and what she learned from her grandmother, like in her experience as a young girl doing this, which I think is really cool because it kind of just has her again, taking her roots and really like applying them to like all, all girls and all women. Um, so in late 1912, Lowe proposed that the Girl Scout, sorry, the Girl Guides, <laughs> I, I messed this up as, as I was typing it too, I screwed it up all the time. So she proposed that the Girl Guides that she had created team up with an organization called the Campfire Girls. So I thought that was like interesting that there were already these girl organizations Similar. that I had no idea. Yeah. yeah. And then I automatically thought of the Campfire Song song from Spongebob when I was <laughs> That's fair. thinking of Campfire Girls. But the leader of the organization rejected her a few months later in early 1913 because it was the bigger organization and it was more powerful. And they were like, now we really don't need your pathetic 18 to 20 person <laughs> yeah. here. So then Lo attempted to merge her organization with the Girl Scouts of America, which let me tell you something. I had to do like a triple take and I had to click on this link like four different times because yeah. I was like, wait, aren't we fucking talking about the Girl Scouts of America? But we're not. It's okay. now called the Girl Scouts of the United States of America. So it's different. So okay. this is where there's like a lot of tea. Okay. So the Girl Scouts of America was an organization that was founded in Des Moines, Iowa by a woman named Clara Lister Lane, which is a cool fucking name. I just wrote that specifically in the notes. So she had founded the Girl Scouts of America and I believe the membership was like maybe a couple hundred to a couple thousand. It really wasn't too, too many women or really girls, young women. So Lowe thought that the ideas of the Girl Scouts of America was really similar to her idea with the girl guides. So she proposed that she and Lister Lane merge theirs, but Lister Lane was not interested in that. And then on top of that, Lister Lane started to basically accuse Lowe of stealing and copycatting all of her organization, all of her ideas, like all of her um, like membership pamphlets and stuff like that. And she basically threatened to sue her. Then later on, Lister Lane claimed that the Girl Guides were stealing members away because I guess what was happening with the Girl Scouts of America was that they were actually losing money. They didn't have the same financial resources that Lowe had for the Girl Guides. And so like more people were leaving Girl Scouts and joining Girl Guides. But then the Girl Guides was going to later become the Girl Scouts. Okay. So it was like, I was reading it. And I'm like, this is like a lot of drama for a fucking young woman's organization. Right. For like a very wholesome. Right. In like 1912, 1913. You know? yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is really, really difficult. But yeah, so basically the Girl Scouts of America went bankrupt. And actually, if you I was looking, if you click on their Wikipedia page, it's it's under the title Defunct Scout and Scout Like Organizations in the United States. I'm glad that's a whole page. Yeah, I love it is. Like there's enough of them. Yeah. So there's the Beehive Girls, the Girl Scouts of America, Boy Scouts of the United States, Life Saving Guards Boys. <laughs> 
Life-saving guards, boys. Life-saving guards, boys. Okay. Or the life-saving scouts of the world. That's a very heavy job. I mean, I don't think I would want to join that organization. No, that's too much pressure. Also, is that one for children? Is it like, here's seven-year-old, you're a life-saving guard of the world? I guess so. Let me look really quick. Uh, Oh, so apparently it was the Salvation Army founder who met with Baden Powell for discussion about a possible Salvationist scouting program. I'm going to stop reading there because... Uh, yeah, no. We good. So, yeah. So, there was a lot of drama around this. But then by the time that we hit, like, the end of 1913, the Girl Guides of America changed its name to the Girl Scouts of the United States. And they started to gain a lot more membership. And they ended up moving their headquarters down to D.C. So, two years after that, the organization was fully incorporated. And I don't know what the fuck that means, but it was a big deal. Yeah, it's um, something. And then, the, and then the headquarters moved again to New York City. So the Girl Scouts of the United States of America started with just 18 members. And at this point, it was now at, let me see, 70,000 members. Okay. So it's actually pretty cool because some of like their early activities weren't necessarily um, the same type of like woodworking or metalworking that you would expect after learning like Lowe's background. But it was mostly like hanging out playing basketball in a curtained off court which i thought was like okay. crazy could you fucking imagine like oh no. we can't let people see you playing basketball we need to right. curtain this off because you're, you're a woman right you do uh, it that's for private <laughs> i don't know what kind of basketball y'all are playing that we it's can't watch you but like <laughs> They would also go on hikes uh, and camping trips in the woods wearing knee-length blue uniforms which i had to put that in because i can't fucking imagine playing basketball in a skirt or going on hikes in a skirt like yeah. i can barely survive with like legitimate hiking gear so right i can't imagine doing it in any outfit but yeah <laughs> much less a skirt <laughs> that's fair that's fair so in 1916 just like four years after its founding Lowe created what was called the aviation badge where young women could learn how to fly which is fucking awesome but also crazy because at this time women still couldn't even fucking vote and i put that specifically fair but you could fly um, a plane yeah, right. You can't vote for who you want to be also, you know, define running the young, country. Define young women, because I think of the Girl Scouts as like 10. No, so <laughs> I, I mean, I do too. And that's, I'm going to just, you know, full disclosure here. I was a Girl Scout until I was like 11 or 12, and then it wasn't cool anymore. Did you learn to fly a plane? I didn't. And I'm a little pissed about yeah, it. Yeah. Because I think my whole life could have been totally fucking different. So thanks, mom. I really appreciate you letting yeah. me quit Girl Scouts because I could have been something <laughs> with flying planes. So <laughs> one of the many jobs with flying planes. <laughs> There's two jobs and they're both flying planes. Yeah. <laughs> it's just pilots for who? I could have been like Taylor Swift's private pilot, which would have been. Ooh, that would have been cool. Amazing. Oh, my God. There's still time. Teaching's not going so well, so. That's true. You could be like Juliet Lowe and just learn new stuff all the time. Nobody wants me flying a fucking plane for them. Okay, Nobody. Well learn something it's else. It's so much math. Uh, yeah, that's true. But I feel math. like at this point, they fly themselves in a lot of ways, right? Yeah, you just like hit a button. I don't know, I guess. Yeah. I don't so... know. No offense to pilots. <laughs> Hopefully we have a large pilot listenership that will maybe yes, let us. please don't leave us. Set us straight here, but... <laughs> We're sorry for offending your profession. So anyway, within the four years after its transformation slash, in- slash inception into the Girl Scouts of the United States of America, there were nearly 70,000 members, like I said. And by 1923, they had branches in every single state, including Alaska and Hawaii, and even in Puerto Rico. Um, so I think that's pretty crazy, too, to think that they were starting to become 
so like nationally renowned that people were joining in every state. Yeah. Um, and even Puerto Rico, which is just like the territory of it, which is pretty cool. The membership grew again. And in the same year, so again, that was 1923, they had 125,738 women, which again, that's a shit ton of people. Yeah. Um, so over time, the names and age levels of the structure of the group kind of changed. So like you used to have in the 20s, like Girl Scouts organized into patrols, troops, local councils, and then the National Council. And like that terminology has kind of changed. I didn't really get too much into that just because it's hella boring. Mm -hmm. Um, But the troops were also initially fairly independent before joining together into smaller councils. So like you could kind of set up just like a random troop, um, which I think is actually pretty similar to today. And then you could eventually merge to form larger troops, larger councils. Um, And today there's over 100 councils across the country. And then those 100 councils have like smaller troops within them. But like answer to them. So it's funny because like I'm thinking about what you said about like military and fun and this yeah. is like very military part of it True, <laughs> like, it's not particularly fun but it's definitely like military structured so girl scouting continued to expand its reach to more and more girls with the first girl scout troops launching outside the united states in china syria and mexico as early as i believe 1925 they had an organization called the lone troops on foreign soil which is fucking badass like yeah. what a name lone troop on foreign soil like that's like <laughs> like yeah, so it had registered its first Girl Scout Girl Scout troop in Shanghai, China, also with 18 girls in 1925. And really in the 20s, their big thing was like expansion up until 1929 when the stock market crashed and the world was terrible um, and America hit its Great Depression. And in the Great Depression, the Girl Scouts participated in relief efforts. They collected clothing and food for everyone that was in need. They also started printing its, uh, quote, Who Are the Girl Scouts promotional booklet in Yiddish, Italian, and Polish. Because there was a fuck ton of people that were coming over from Europe post-World War I looking for a better place. And I wrote so inclusive wow, even though it's It's not super inclusive. Well, actually, I'll talk a little bit about it during world war ii and like the desegregation part of my segment but like they do actually get fairly inclusive with allowing like girls of color pretty quickly yeah it's just they're segregated so but i digress okay uh quick break to be sad so Uh, around this time so in 1923 um juliet gordon lowe gets breast cancer and she tells nobody so she has like a full-on surgery to remove the tumor after the surgery, she gets a really bad, f- they say flu, I feel like probably from an infection, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, she gets really sick after the surgery and ends up bedridden for like the better part of a year. Oh, Jesus. Um, but she does then return to normal life afterwards. And she continued to basically secretly have operations. So she wasn't in full remission at the time. So she continued to secretly be treated with no one knowing she had had breast cancer or had anything wrong. So she was like RBG in it. Yes. And in 1925, she is told she has six months to live. And she actually goes to Europe. She has this experimental treatment done. She ends up with lead poisoning from it. I was going to say, how did it go? And then I was like, it was the 20s, so probably not good. (laughs) Yeah, it gave her lead poisoning. So she spent her 66th birthday with lead poisoning. And she comes back to the States and her doctor tells her she doesn't have much time left. So she goes back once more to the low home in Savannah. um, And she dies there on January 17th, 1927. Wow. So she's 66 years old. 
she is buried in her Girl Scout uniform with a note in her pocket that says, you're not only the first Girl Scout, but the best Girl Scout of them all. Oh, right and her tombstone her tombstone says now a bit is faith hope and love but the greatest of these is love and it's like a thing a bunch of girl scouts skipped school on the day of her funeral to go to the funeral and they acted as like pallbearers and all these different things so she had like a big girl scout send-off because by that point it had become pretty big like we were talking about yeah, um, yeah we're of, talking like hundreds of thousands of girls so yeah and so she gets like this big girl scout kind of funeral but obviously as you'll talk about now the organization continues from there like by that time it had been well established enough to continue going yeah absolutely and like i said the 30s was pretty much just like you know nothing was really happening in the 30s other than the great depression so most of the actions of the girl scouts was about like providing aid to people um whenever possible yeah world war ii is when it starts to change a little bit more and of course like the whole country changed when we got involved in world war ii and the group pretty much stays the same up until the 40s when they start to really change the levels and like what the jobs were and they start to actually offer special like special scouting opportunities i guess you could call it okay um which i think it's really crazy that excuse me that she built it up enough that her death didn't stop the movement of the Girl Scouts. Yeah. Like, she died pretty early into its, like, actual founding. Yeah, it had only been around about 10 years Yeah, when she and got actually, sick. Because cool, I've been to her house in Savannah. We did, like, a ghost tour, and they're like, and this is where the Girl Scout leader died. Yes, we did like, that, oh, too. Her ghost? Yes, we did that, too. <laughs> I want the ghost badge. Like, that was what I wanted. <laughs> they don't offer that. Rude. So rude. <laughs> so... The group pretty much stays the same, like I said, until the 40s. Um, They had three levels. The brownies, ages 7 to 9, they wore brown dresses. Intermediates, uh, 10 to 14, wore medium green dresses. I don't know what the fuck medium green is, but okay. Maybe like an olive green? No, because then dark green dresses were worn by the seniors, and I think of olive green as being dark green. Interesting. I think of that as like forest green. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I think of the teal. Like, I remember having my my Daisy Brownie. I honestly don't remember what happens after Brownie, but I remember having a teal vest. And that's what I think of in terms of medium green. So and then we also had the Mariner Scouts. Um, and the Mariner Scouts wore a special blue uniform and they specialized in boating and water skills, uh, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. So sort of fun fact about World War II um, Girl Scouts, <laughs> they were not allowed to have metal in their clothing because all of the metal had to be used for like Mm -hmm. weapons and bombs and shit. So all zippers were replaced with buttons and badges were sewn on the sleeve. And that's the nicest fun fact I could fucking find because here (laughs) we go. This, I actually had to read this four times because I couldn't believe what I was reading. Oh no. And then I looked at other places too, to confirm if this was real and it's fucking real. So I'm just going to read what it says. Quote, during world war two from 1943 to 1945. I can't believe I'm going to say this. Many young Japanese American girls were confined in internment camps with their families. I'm not going to end the quote here, but I'm just going to interlude and say, I hope everybody fucking knows that. Anyway, Girl Scout troops were organized even in these camps. These girls participated in many activities, including dramatic presentations that took place in the Crystal City internment camp in Crystal City, Texas. Quote, so my research fucking led me to find out that the most un-American fucking practice of putting people into basically concentration camps we still had fucking girl scouts in 
internment camps. Like, I don't want to laugh because it's not no, funny. It, but... It's not funny, but I la- I was laughing because I was so astounded. Yeah, that's just wild information. And all of the Girl Scout or like all of the websites that I looked at treated this like it was like cool. There's almost some level of like childhood wholesomeness, right? Where it's like I could see parents or something in the camp being like, we want them to have a childhood, right? Hey, you guys are friends. Go put on a play like so you don't Mm -hmm. understand how fucked up the situation is. Mm -hmm. Like from the kid's perspective, there's almost something wholesome about it. But obviously it's not at all. Yeah. And it's interesting because I'm pretty sure that like from everything I was saying that these were like recognized troops. So like, yeah. So like you're literally acknowledging that you're locking away little Japanese girls. Right. But then also saying you're American and you can join our American club. Like, what? I just was like, I couldn't believe that. Like, I straight up didn't even think that there would be any type of like daisies in fucking internment camps. Especially not anything official, right? Like, I might have been like, yeah, maybe some of the kids were like, we're Girl Scouts, but not like a real actual organization. And these were like legitimate fucking troops. I'm just like, this was, that was the craziest fact I read for World War II. That's so weird in so many ways. It's so weird. But then also it's so American. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I was like, this is the most American thing I've read. So there was a lot of rationing and sugar shortages in the, obviously, World War II. So Girl Scout cookies were discontinued for portions of the war. So 1944 and 1945 specifically. Um, They probably only had things like the shortbread cookies that I eat because those are grandma cookies. But there we go. To fill the funding hole. (laughs) I don't know why that's funny. I literally wrote, LOL, don't know why that's funny, but here we are. (laughs) Um, They first sold calendars in 1944 in order to make up the loss of the cookies. Which actually started super early. I didn't realize how early they were Yeah. So some Girl Scout wartime activities included selling war bonds, conducting scrap metal drives, cultivating victory gardens, working on a farm as aides or bicycle courier services. Uh, They also collected 1.5 million items of clothing for war refugees. And if you're not really sure if what this looks like, I want you all to think back to the American girl, Molly, who did all of this shit. And I don't think she's a Girl Scout, but like, Probably you know, just because American Girl, like, doesn't have the rights to call her a Girl Scout. Right. But, like, this is... I remember doing, like, Molly's Christmas play when I was, like, little. <laughs> and I remember we were, like, collecting scrap metal <laughs> for the fucking soldiers. Oh, my so God. It's like, oh, my God. And it's, like... <laughs> I love Molly. Interests. She... I actually had Samantha, though. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think I had the doll, Molly. I don't think I had a doll, but I had a lot of the books... And I remember liking the Samantha ones. Yeah. I liked Samantha because she had that grandma named, what was it? Grandmare? Grandmarie? Oh, yeah. Grandmare. I thought that was so cool. I think I just liked her because she had brown hair. (laughs) I liked Molly because she had glasses. And I was like, I have glasses too. It's like as a kid, how you pick things you like is similar physical features, apparently. Yep, 100%. So then in 1942, the Girl Scouts started a hospital aid program for senior girls. So those girls were the ones that were like uh, 14 to 18, so high school age. Okay, so Um, like uh, seniors, not like senior citizens. Right. Okay. (laughs) Right. You said a hospital aid program. I know, know, that's fair. It's just old people helping other old people. (laughs) No, I thought it was saying that it was the girls went to the hospital and helped the old people. They did. Yeah, that's what they did. Yeah. 
Yes. So the, the senior Girl Scouts okay. were trained to help in hospitals. They fed patients. They performed clerical work. Um, they served as messengers, prepared supplies and equipment, made beds. Uh, there wasn't any like official uniform for them, but a lot of girls made smocks of the green and white striped cloth and wore um, smocks over their Girl Scout uniform. So people were like, she's not a doctor. She's a Girl Scout. <laughs> um, a more funner fact. Mm-hmm. Which actually is a fun fact, and I do really like this. Uh, they honored the Girl Scouts uh, and their contributions by creating a Liberty ship, which, again, I don't know what the fuck that is, but I guess it's a type of naval ship. Sounds called, nice. It's, yeah, it's called the SS Juliet Lowe. It was launched on May 12th, 1944 in Savannah, Georgia, which was, we know, her hometown. And it was christened by Margaret Gordon, who was the first Girl Scout, other other than, obviously, her aunt. Right. And her niece. So Juliet Gordon Lowe's niece, who was like the first official Girl Scout other than herself, uh, christened the ship, which I thought was really cool. That is cute. So moving on to some more bummers, um, we have the desegregation or race component of the Girl Scouts. So most Girl Scout units were originally segregated by race, especially in the southern state. Um, I thought you were going to say especially in the Japanese internment camps because I'm still (laughs) on that. Yeah, I I can't. I have so many feelings about it. I have to like. I and I'm pissed because I I didn't see more about it. So I feel like now that's going to be my new pet project obsession. Yeah, finding these fucking Girl Scout camps in in Japanese internment camp. But the first troop for African American girls was founded in 1917, which is hella early that in is. the um in the organization's history. Uh, the first American Indian troop. Um, I fucking hate that term. I'm writing Native American troop. <laughs> uh was formed because i just don't feel like american it puts america before you know what i'm saying yeah well it's also just like indians is not really right yeah you're supposed to do right right exactly so that was first formed in 1921 in new york state again pretty early and the first troop for mexican americans was formed in houston texas in 1922 so we do have that like racial segregation which is obviously shitty but it was already pretty inclusive I feel like um, especially considering her background is like her father being a Confederate soldier and then being very Southern, there was definitely a, a nice high risk of her being like super racist. You know, and it's interesting because I, I wondered when you were saying that because she had an uncle who was friends with Sherman. Yeah. Like how much was the father just like, I got to fucking fight in this war. You know what I mean? Right. Like, so well, because her mother wasn't native southern they like founded chicago you know so right right so it could have just been and again that's not justifying anything but like I no, wonder... and i'm sure they were still racist in their own way right <laughs> absolutely yeah but oh, compared sure. to what you think when you hear like american civil war right i i would expect a bigger level of racism for a woman in the 1920s who is white yeah. and running an organization for girls like exactly. there's not that intersectional sort of approach just yet that's what i would imagine she was actually you know more inclusive than than i anticipated um in 1933 an african-american woman named josephine groves holloway again such a cool fucking name uh she founded an unofficial african-american troop in tennessee and eventually she was able to fully desegregate the cumberland valley girl scouts council in 1962 so it took her almost 30 fucking years but she worked really hard with the girl scouts in general to help desegregate the the group in tennessee the council that that she eventually would run i think the first official african-american troop in the south 
was founded in 1932. So the one I mentioned earlier was North. Mm -hmm. Um, This was a Southern troop. So it was founded in Richmond by uh, Lena B. Watson and initially led by Lavinia Banks, who was a teacher at the local Armstrong High School. And from what I read about them, they very much promoted the idea of helping young women of color specifically form a greater sense of like independence and autonomy, very similar to what Lowe had started off with in terms of creating this whole organization. By the 1950s, the Girl Scouts of the United States of America, GSUSA, either way I say it, it's fucking- I mean, you could just say the Girl Scouts. Like, we know what you I'm mean. I'm just gonna say the Girl Scouts. You're right. Once uh, you covered begun... the, like, history of the name, you can just say Girl Scouts. Yeah, true. You're right. You're right. Uh, so by the 1950s, the Girl Scouts had begun significant national efforts to desegregate the camps and maintain racial balance. And I hate that fucking terminology, but that's what it said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And actually, I think it's really crazy because to me, that seems really early. Yeah, comparatively. I I literally wrote, even if my my privileged white ass can even say, like, if I can even say that it's early, it's early. But I mean, 1950s is, I feel like, pretty early for a lot of desegregation movements. And one of the first desegregated camps was Camp Shantituck. 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 The word tit is in there. So Shantituck. (laughs) Titty tuck. Titty tuck. (laughs) In Kentucky. (laughs) Which was accomplished by uh, Murray Atkins Walls in 1956. And later that same year, Martin Luther King Jr. is on record as describing the Girl Scouts, quote, as a force for desegregation, which is pretty fucking cool. That is. I feel like if Martin Luther King Jr. is saying that, you're probably you're doing a good job you're probably doing a good job yeah then in 1969 a national girl scout initiative called action 70 was created which aimed to eliminate prejudice so good luck with that yeah Um, how'd that go (laughs) apparently not too well um no that's not true um the first national president who was african-american was gloria d scott and she became the national president in 1975 which okay again is pretty early i think yeah i'd be interested to see when uh it was for the Boy Scouts of America. Yeah. But, you know. They tend to suck in comparison. Oh, for fucking sure. So the biggest changes that I saw after, like, the 1950s and 60s was pretty much just, like, the structure of the program. So I'm going to just kind of, like, no, I'm not going to blaze through it, but I'll just talk a little bit about it because, again, it can be kind of boring. Um, So originally the program was for girls ages 10 to 18. But it was divided into those three levels, brownies, intermediate, seniors, like I said, in the 1940s. In 1965, the age structure started to get rearranged as well. So brownies started to be second and third grades or seven and eight. Juniors, which I think is what I was thinking of, that I would be brownie, junior, cadet, senior. Yeah, yeah. I never got to cadet. I just got to junior. Juniors were ages nine through 11 or fourth through sixth grade. Cadets were ages 11 through 14 or seventh through ninth grades. And then seniors were age 14 through 18 or 10th through 12th grades. Um, In the early 1970s, the Brownie level was extended to girls six years older in the first grade. And the DAISY program for kindergarten girls or those age five was introduced in 1984. So actually I was pretty, I don't want to say recent, but I mean, it is recent. Relatively. Relatively, yeah. Fun fact about the Daisies, they actually (laughs) were originally called the Pixies. Okay. Um, And they decided Daisy was better, I think, because of Lowe's nickname as Daisy. Oh, that makes sense. Like, warms my cold at heart. Let's see. The next big change comes in 2003 when your girl was a Girl Scout. And I actually fucking remember this program, which, like, is mind-boggling that I was ever that young. (laughs) It was called the Studio 2B program. And the program um, was, like, 
I guess, focused around girls ages 11 to 17. And it basically, I don't know, one of its big things was like the girls can call themselves by any name of their choosing, including but not limited to Studio 2Bs, quote, teen Girl Scouts, quote, or cadets and seniors. So I don't really know, like who the fuck was walking around like, oh, I'm a Studio 2B girl. Like, I don't actually know if there were... If you're out there, please email me. WTSJpodcast at gmail.com. Um, under, <laughs> under the programs, girls were actually able to work on traditional badges as well as something called Studio 2B badges. And then, like, the awards that you can get, silver and gold, were rewritten to require both over the span of time. So the activities, I actually really... And this is why I'm kind of highlighting this. I liked what the Studio 2B program basically was about. So... You basically were given like a booklet that focused on a topic like environmentalism or self-confidence rather than just being skill-based like a badge would be. So instead of being like build a boat, this was like love yourself, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you had to earn charms and then the Girl Scouts um, got to choose activities from the booklet and then meet the goal that was relevant to the booklet topic. So you would create your own plan for achieving that goal. You followed a like a planning procedure that they called SMART. So specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, timely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just really like that because I think that is, in my mind, the natural progression of the Girl Scouts, like yeah. where Lowe would have wanted this to go, I think. Um, can, um, I, can I take a breaking deuce? I've I've done some research into the first black president of the Boy Scouts of America. Oh, God. Please tell me it was like 2010. The position is open. What? I Now, I'm... There's a couple people on the Wikipedia who don't have pictures, but none of them mention them being black, which I feel like they would if they were the first black president. Um, And I therefore cannot... And if I Google black... I find the first black Boy Scout, but not the first black president. Um, Who's the first Black Boy Scout? Let me get back to it. First Black He died in like the 80s, so I think it was pretty early on, at least. Okay. So yeah, Troop 12 was a quote, colored troop. That's a quote that oh, I didn't say it. Geez, Formed in 1925. So he was in the 20s. So it was early on. I mean, they were segregated as well. But the Boy Scouts started way before the Girl Scouts, didn't it? In like the yes. 1800s? Yes. Wow. Oh, also, oh yeah. Oh wait, I've got an expert coming in. My love, I have a question for you. I know. Was there ever a black president of the Boy Scouts of America? Like, were you ever taught that specifically? No. No. Okay. We were just asking. Was there a black president? So far, Sarah said you said no. I can't find one. You can't find one. I don't believe so. But the but the president of Boy Scouts of America was not necessarily that type of leader you think it is. After Lord Baden Powell um, stepped down, there was like CEOs and stuff. So it was more like business as opposed to like. Yeah, it was the, okay. the business of leadership. That actually makes sense. Of America had nothing to do with a figurehead. Everything okay. was more regionalized. So you okay. know more about your regional leadership than you would your national. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. President or CEO. Cool. Thank you. Special guest star, Eric, my yeah. husband. Um, so he basically just said, if you couldn't hear that, um, it was run more like a business, which I think makes a lot of fucking sense. Yeah, because men. Right. right. Um, also, did you know Rex Tillerson was a president of the Voice Council? Rex Tillerson, the he was Trump's 
Secretary oh, of State? Yes. Defense? I didn't know that, but now At that I just point, looked at him and saw his fucking face, I, I know who this is. Yeah, he was on the cabinet in some sense. There um, were a lot of people on the cabinet at any given time. Yeah. <laughs> Rex, what a name. Rex. Who looks at their baby in their arms and be like, Well, do you think that's Rex. his real name? Probably not. I don't know. Or it is. I don't know. It's a very No, nope, it's his name. real name. Rex Wayne Tillerson. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Okay, so we digress. America is already kicking more ass in terms of racial, uh, yes, I guess, equality or inclusion. I don't know. This is blah, blah, blah. Girl Scout ambassadors. Um, okay, so this is fun. You could obviously join a troop or you could be an individual Girl Scout. And individual Girl Scouts were known in the early years of Girl Scouting as Lone Scouts. Yes. Cool fuck. Later, they were known as Juliet's. Very cute. Um, they also, you can still do this actually. Um, I think you can actually still technically be a lone scout. Uh, you can attend activities independently, work individually on badges and awards, specifically if you like don't have time for joining a troop and those commitments that come with it. And today the Girl Scouts have grown to 3.7 million members. And that's, um, you know, not as big as I would maybe think, but I think it's still a pretty big you know, I think now I think the Boy Scouts are just called the Scouts and they're going to be including like you can include anyone in it. I think something like that. So, yeah. Um, nice. So, yeah. Do you want to talk about your um, issues? issues? In- yeah. So I was looking up issues and controversies and the first category, as always, is religion. Of course. Um, and so the Girl Scouts were technically founded as non-sectarian. Pretty early on, there became troops that were basically like not religious troops, but like a Catholic church or something like that would have a troop. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of Catholic branches, but there was also a couple Jewish branches and different things like that. And the the promise, which I know you talk about a little bit later, but kind of like mm-hmm. the oath, it does include the term to serve God. But from the beginning, it has allowed anybody to replace it if they want to. So if yeah. they wanted to say to serve Allah or to say like to omit it or to say something else, they mm-hmm. have been able to do that. So it's kind of a weird like it's non-sectarian. It's still assuming kind of Christianity as the base or yeah. at least Judeo-Christianity as the base, but it's not forced. Right. And the way their like bylaws say it is that the Girl Scouts of the USA makes no attempt to define or interpret the word God in the promise. It looks to individual members to establish for themselves the nature of their spiritual beliefs. When making a Girl Scout promise, individuals may substitute wording appropriate to their own spiritual beliefs for the word God. So, like, it's in there, but you don't have to say it, at least. And there is also rules for volunteers who are reminded to be sensitive to the beliefs of other people and make sure everybody feels included. So they have a goal of being kind of open there. Yeah. Like, inclusion is, like, a big thing. Yes. And so prayer is neither banned nor required at meetings. So each troop can kind of decide. Like, if you were one of those Catholic troops, you could probably vote and decide to do prayers as part of your meeting. Yeah. Actually, I think we did. Yeah. It's not not allowed, but it's not required. Required. Yeah. Um, And the same, there are, like, badges and pins and programs and stuff centered around religion that are not part of kind of the base badges. They're like extra. Right. So you can go out for them if you want to. You don't have to. And of course, you know, some people say that the Girl Scouts 
haven't gone far enough in making it open to people who aren't religious and including other religions and things like that. And some people think it's like a heathen atheist organization because it doesn't explicitly require prayer or allows people to remove the word God. So you get controversy on both sides because of that. It's like too religious. (laughs) No one's ever fucking happy. Yeah. It's too religious for some people. It's not religious enough for other people. They kind of have a, a line and I looked through their like FAQs they have a social issues FAQ and they pretty much stay neutral on it right it's open to people of all beliefs you can say whatever you want in the pledge the end yeah um around religion you get some of the like social issue controversies controversies so officially they have a kind of don't ask don't tell policy around sexuality um yeah i mean i don't think it's written like that but if you look at their like faqs and their statements they're very neutral on most things it's very like we neither endorse nor decry this like you can do whatever a lot of it is left up to the troops right so i again imagine if you had a troop based in like a very conservative church or something they might disallow it versus if you had like a very liberal area troop they might be more open about it but the organization itself is very like we don't we don't have any position on that thank you for your time like it it asks like like, we support girl scouts from all backgrounds and beliefs cool and it makes me wonder do you need to be explicit or can you say that and people just know yeah i don't I feel, I, and there's no way to, like, I don't necessarily mean it one way or the other. I'm yeah. Just kind of out loud. To me, the, the kind of, as a person who was raised completely non-religious and is not religious, the hand tip is that the oath contains to serve God and you can take it out. That's not actually being neutral. <laughs> like, right. Right. <laughs> which I know some might argue it is, but like, to me, that's, you're actually not being neutral. You're assuming some sort of like Judeo-Christian religion and accepting other things neutrality would be not including it but some people think not including it is like a hat tip you know so there's not gonna be any winning it seems like they try and be very like middle of the road and they've actually gotten painted a lot in recent years as this like very very liberal organization like i see that all over the place people fucking love the girl scouts because they're like they are left-wing extremists Um, (laughs) this is a true this is a true thing um And that's for a couple reasons. Um, One is they got aligned with Planned Parenthood in a bunch of like right wing talking points. And that was a local, like not a local troop, like the kind of council, I think the larger one. They worked with some organizations who worked with Planned Parenthood to do talks about safe sex. And because they worked with them, they became a kind of nationally associated with Planned Parenthood, but it is not the organization of Girl Scouts. It was that troop. And they allow these individual branches to make those decisions. Right. It's not like a national thing where it's like you have to work with or you can't work with. It's just like, Right. But they do not have any affiliation with Planned Parenthood. That's also on this FAQs page is a no Girl Scouts does not have a relationship or partnership with Planned Parenthood. But there's very much a narrative that Girl Scouts are really like pro-abortion rights, which I've seen a lot from kind of the left side of people being like, the Girl Scouts are great for this. Mm-hmm. But you also get like the Federalist and shit who are like, the Girl Scouts kill babies. Um, oh my God. But they again, 
like they have a question on here like what is the position regarding human sexuality birth control and abortion and they give a very you know we don't take a position or develop material on these issues our role is to help girls self-develop confidence and good decision making that will help them make wise choices parents or guardians make decisions regarding participation that may be for programs that may be of a sensitive nature you have to get written parental consent etc so they're like very we don't like or hate it so if they have like sex ed programming you have to sign up to be like you have to be given the permission to yeah that's what it sounds like yep which i think is fucking great i'm sorry girls do not learn enough about their sexuality sex ed like none of that shit right and it's not required so people blew that up i think I was kind of surprised because I was like, oh, yeah, I know the Girl Scouts. They love Planned Parenthood. And apparently that's also not true. (laughs) Um, The one thing where they've taken slightly more of a stance, I mean, a lot of people probably would argue it's not a very strong stance. But the other thing where I hear a lot of like right wing hating on Planned Parenthood is their inclusion of like transgender girls in troops. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And they again it's like somewhere between that very neutral and not an actual like full stance but they do on what they call a case-by-case basis allow transgender youth into the troops basically they say on the website that said if the child's recognized by the family and the community as a girl and lives culturally as a girl girl scouts is an organization that can serve her in a setting that is both emotionally and physically safe placements handled on a case-by-case basis with the welfare and best interests of the child and members of the troop in question as a top priority so that's probably like the hardest stance they take on here which again is not a super strict stance but compared to what some people want it is um, I just wonder though, like again, it's like if you identify as a girl, then you're welcome in the Girl Scouts. Yeah, exactly. Right, like that's what it says. So that's it doesn't. It There's some people that get mad about like because it says if you're recognized by your parents and community. So in theory, oh, okay, okay, you could cause trouble. But they basically say if you like live culturally as a girl. Yeah, because um, it's basically recognizing that gender is yes, it's like socially based. right. And okay. they also talk about here, you know, what do they do about camping? and volunteers in those situations. And again, it says like the situations are considered individually. If anyone requires special accommodations, the local council, you know, can make similar accommodations to schools in their area regards Mm -hmm. to changing clothing, sleeping arrangements, travel related, et cetera. They do actually know Girl Scouts welcomes both male and female adult volunteers. And I'm like, ew, don't, don't do that. I didn't like that they did that. Yeah. I don't like that either. Um, And his developed appropriate safeguards but they if you look at these questions it's funny because it's like the questions about abortion and planned parenthood questions about transgender youth and then do do girl scouts support families of faith (laughs) like i see what you oh my god did there um ridiculous yeah there's also some arguments around like if there are diversity quotas and things like that but i would say like at least from everything i see culturally they have this reputation as being like extremely left wing which is not necessarily true they just leave a lot open to the various branches yeah which again Um, i just feel like do we do you have to take a stance so specifically right because if if the idea is inclusion right like are kids who maybe i don't know how to put this this is gonna sound terrible i guess it's like if you're trying to include girls from all backgrounds right not all backgrounds have any type of like awareness of that. Like you're right. not trying to marginalize any kid. Right. At all. 
Well, so I feel it's like, like, like when they say on a case by case basis, I can see like, okay, the troop in your area is extremely conservative and like close minded and whatever. And you have a local like transgender girl who wants to join. Is it actually mm-hmm. in their best interest to join? Well, yes, that's yes, that's exactly what I mean. Where and it's it sounds I and that's wrong and that's fucked up, right. but like it's true because the whole idea of the Girl Scout environment is supposed to be inclusive and you know helping girls develop their confidence and identities and stuff like that. Right. And so I don't know. I feel like I'm sure there are instances where like the neutrality kind of means that troops do shitty stuff yeah and i'm down with like use your cookies to fund abortion that's fine with me like cool 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 <laughs> um but <Right>. exactly <laughs> but they seem to be very like we like everybody um, yeah yeah so that's kind of the controversy landscape going on there there's another one i'll talk about when i do conspiracy theories at the end Okay, perfect. Yeah, because I have a couple traditions and activities that are common for Girl Scouts, most of which this whole segment is just going to be me flashing back to this Mm because I totally didn't realize how much I actually remembered until I was researching and I was like, oh, yeah. So Girl Scouts have a lot of different customs and traditions aside from camping, community service, singing, earning money to support their activities or to support charities or other organizations. Most of the troops do some type of service project. They carry out flag ceremonies for local events. Uh, They collect food. They visit nursing homes. They do Christmas caroling, other community services. Uh, They may take extended trips within the United States or even outside of the United States for a multitude of reasons. And actually, it's not always just like service trips outside of the United States, which are like, you know, white saviorism. Um, It's actually a lot of like cultural development. So I was learning that they have, they do have programs in different parts of the world where kids are exposed to the different cultures and they earn like a badge specifically for that area, which I think is cool. cool. We have obviously the annual sale of Girl Scout cookies, which apparently is no longer annual. And you can just fucking buy Girl Scout cookies at any given time, which I think is pretty cool. And that started in 1917, uh, which is pretty nice. Nice. So the other thing that's a big tradition is the Girl Scout handshake and the friendship circle with something called the squeeze. Have you ever heard of this before? No. Okay. So let me, I'm going to take you back. Okay. Take me back. Little Casey, big ass glasses, terrible short hair. Mom, what the fuck were you thinking? Mm -hmm. Uh, Just always sweaty, just very awkward. Standing in a circle with your closest friends and total fucking strangers, you would crisscross your hands, like cross your arms, and you would grab the hands of the girl sitting or standing next to you. Okay. okay? And you would do the friendship circle and you would pass the squeeze. So you would squeeze one person's hand and then they'd pass the squeeze. But while while you did this, you sang a song, okay? Mm. And the song was basically like i don't know if i should i'm gonna sing it yes I'm gonna sing it. <clears throat> okay I'm, I'm so nervous <sighs> okay so it's make new friends but keep the old one is silver and the other's gold a circle is round it has no end that's how long i want to be your friend and then you would sing that a couple I've times i've heard that everyone got the squeeze I've heard that. Oh, that was so terrible. I'm I so if you turn this off, I don't blame you. Um <laughs> so the other thing I learned a lot in Girl Scouts was the buddy system, which I didn't realize was a fucking thing until I read this and I was like, wow, this must have been part of the Girl Scout training. So the buddy system was you can't go anywhere unless there are two other people going with you. So at any mm-hmm. given time you 
had travel in threes because if something happens to one of you another girl can stay and help and then the third can run and get other help that's so in my head i'm like that's great because if one of you wants to like murder the other two people are harder than one and so like there's a witness (laughs) well i literally wrote what the fuck were we being prepared for but then i realized we were prepared for being women in a world where women are i just like that it's like if you sprain your ankle Susie can stay with you while marie goes back to camp and i'm like well yeah if she wants to murder me i want someone to be there Susie's gonna cauterize the wound while Jill runs and gets a parent. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Another big tradition was something called bridging, uh, which again I also forgot about this, but sounds sexual. It does sound sexual. It is not. It's the most opposite. Okay. Uh, it's the pro. <laughs> I don't know what this opposite of sexual is. I guess bridging is. Uh, so yeah. this is the process of going from one level of like Girl Scouts to another. So from what I do remember, you would bridge when you would earn enough badges to go from like a lower brownie to like a higher brownie, basically, mm-hmm. or like from a brownie to a a junior or something like that. So like it was like a big ceremony, and like you actually would have a bridge, like a if somebody had like a bridge in front of their house, like you know those like little pond bridges. Oh yeah. So you would actually go there, and they would do the bridging walk, and then you would be greeted with the Girl Scout handshake, which I just don't remember. But um, the other big traditions are, are mostly just like promise and like badges and stuff so mm-hmm. the girl scout promise can be made in english spanish or in american sign language which is really fucking cool and it yeah. has the same meaning so what you do is you lift your three fingers your pointer middle and ring finger on your right hand like the mocking jay like the mocking jay just like the fucking mocking jay <laughs> yes and you say on my honor I will try to serve God and my country, to help people at all times, and to live by the Girl Scout law. And then, if you were a snarky little kid, you'd add amen at the end, which, of course, I was a snarky little kid. I have a question. Yes. So I know I'm allowed to replace to serve God. Can I replace my country with, like, Canada or something? (laughs) (laughs) I understand Uh, it's the Girl Scouts of the USA, but I'm good on that. I don't know how flexible they are with that. So, on my honor, I will try to help people at all times. You just, skip, <laughs> just skip that line. Just skip that line. Just skip that line. <laughs> That's the only way I think you could do it. Yeah. So, the promise gets recited at all Girl Scout troop meetings. You hold up, like I said, the three fingers of the right hand, which is the Girl Scout sign. And you already went into that. Like, you know, we don't endorse or promote any particular philosophy. Yeah. You can say creator, my faith, Allah. I would love to throw a Satan in there. Yes. <laughs> On my honor, I will try to serve serve Satan Satan and my country. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. So the other big thing is, like, the laws, which actually both scouts girl scouts and boy scouts have like a set of laws basically so it's i will do my best to be honest and fair friendly and helpful considerate and caring courageous and strong and responsible for what i say and do and to respect myself and others respect authority use resources wisely make the world a better place and be a sister to every girl scout something tells me that's not the same as the boy scout one no theirs is like be thrifty be also theirs i just looked up to includes be reverent toward god be faithful in your religious duties yeah that's that's the boy scouts right yep yeah i actually had a student who asked me to write a recommendation for his eagle scout mm-hmm. and of course i said yes because it's a high honor right. and like it's so nice and it was cool because i got invited to the ceremony and i got to see him get his thing and i shit you not i was maybe only dating eric for like <laughs> i mean maybe a year 
And he joined me and I was like, would you want to come to this Boy Scout thing? And he loves, he loves talking about the Boy Scouts. Like he just had a great time with it. And his mom is super involved. And like, so he came with me and he's sitting next to me and they, they get on the mic and they're like, uh, at this time, we'd like to invite all Eagle Scouts who are present in the room to please stand and say the pledge with us. And I looked at him and I was like, if you fucking do this, (laughs) I literally kill you. And it did it. He stood up proud oh, as a no. peacock and he did this whole little boy scout thing. And I was like, what oh, no. is going on? And this is the man that I married. So, oh, no. yeah, no, but it's actually, it was really cute. And like, it's cool yeah. because like he, you know, I said this before, like earlier today, but like he would love to volunteer, but like, you know, he's just like a, right. he's not a single, but he's a f- childless 30 year old. So yeah. like, they're like, we don't want you here, sir. Which is a bummer. Cause I think he actually would be really good, but right. I'll just have to wait till I pop out a kid or two. Yep. So yeah, I mean, I've got badges and emblems, but for the most part, um, you know, you earn, you have to do certain steps in order to earn the badge. Um, and then there are certain badges that I think you can, that like kind of are within the same like wheelhouse of like community service badge, but like what type of community service, like old people community service or soup kitchen community service. So it's kind of based off of that. And then you display the fun patches on the back of the vest or the sash and then awards go on the front of the vest or sash following and that's what i have about official traditions of the girl scouts of the united states of america nice okay so i tried to look up conspiracy theories because i was sure there were like all sorts of conspiracy theories about like the girl scouts or the illuminati or whatever right (laughs) almost everything i found actually was just about like what they call the cookies um so i'll get to that so okay so Girl Scouts Cookies uses two different manufacturers. Okay. Right? There's two companies. One is called ABC Bakers and one is called Little Brownie Bakers. Uh And based on where you live, you get cookies from one of these distributors. Okay. However, they're slightly different Mm. across every type of cookie and some of them have different names. Wow. So some of them, like the S'mores cookie, for example, is just a completely different style of cookie. So when a s'mores cookie, when I get a s'mores cookie, it's two like graham cracker style cookies with fudge and marshmallow frosting in between them. I I have never heard of that cookie. I live somewhere where we get little brownie bakers. However, if you live somewhere, you get ABC bakers. (gasps) I just saw the s'mores. Yes. The s'mores cookie is like a chocolate covered graham cracker with a small vanilla marshmallow layer. Right. So they're pretty different. Some of them are more so than others. One of the big ones is I earlier said Samoas and you were like, yeah, sure. They're also called caramel delights. Yes. That's what Eric calls them. He's like, I want the caramel delights. I'm like, what the fuck is that? And they're a Samoa to me. And they're, Mm -hmm similar so this i'm on like i have a thing pulled up that shows you the differences so like samoas have slightly darker chocolate and more coconut where like caramel delights have more cookie than caramel like there's slight differences like that dosey um, dos which are also called peanut butter sandwiches if you have abc bakers there's also what i would call a tag along is called a peanut butter patty. Oh my god yes holy shit I, this is changing my life the shortbread that you like I've or always trefoil. called, uh, yeah, trefoil, trefoil, trefoil. I don't think I'm saying it right. <laughs> what else are they called? Shortbread. Oh, it seems the ABC bakers seem to have more generic names, right? Yeah, peanut like butter sandwich, bread. peanut butter patty. That it is. Yeah. Whereas the little bakers seem to have like cutesy names. Like the last one is lemonades or Savannah smiles. 
I've never heard of that. That must be a new cookie. I think it's newer. But people think this is some sort of crazy. It's like a people think they're crazy. Like it's the Mandela effect, whatever. And then you have to Google and they find out like <laughs> there's these two different manufacturers and that's what's happening yeah um so that's just kind of like a fun fact it's not an actual conspiracy it's just like a thing some people don't know is because i grew up never calling it anything but a samoa and then i meet people who are like what what the fuck is a samoa so weird um so that's just a fun fact and if you google girl scout conspiracies literally everything is like the conspiracy behind girl scout cookies and it's just there's two bakers they just have two companies (laughs) what is weird is i would have expected it to be kind of a like even split of like you know like the south has this one and the north has this one or east and west or something yeah it's completely random if you look at maps like some states have different parts of the states get different ones like if i look at florida which is where i grew up florida's almost all little brownie bakers except for a chunk of central Florida near Orlando gets the other one. So it's yeah. kind of random. And I'm sure there's like supply chain reasons that I don't care about behind it. But it's not easy to say like, oh, well, you grew up in the Northeast. So you call them this. It's kind of all over the place. That's so interesting. Yeah. So that was the big one. Um, I did. This is not a conspiracy theory. I just thought it was really funny. <laughs> there was a thing that was like a man praised for buying $540 worth of Girl Scout cookies from a S- South Carolina troop to get the girls out of the cold was arrested on Tuesday by the DEA for drug distribution and fraud. And it was literally like this story and it starts out linking to, you know, like a heartwarming news story, right? Where this guy comes up and it's like really cold outside. He goes to the Girl Scout troop. He says, I will buy all your cookies so you can go home. Super nice thing to do right? He buys all the cookies. He like gives them to people he knows. Great story. And the next week he gets arrested for like hardcore drug distribution and fraud. And I'm waiting for, I'm like, oh my God, he was putting drugs in the cookie boxes and like selling that. No, it's like, it had nothing to do with the story. It was actually just a nice thing. He also did. Oh my God. That's insane. Cause I literally (laughs) thought the whole time you're going to be like, yep. And he also was, there was cocaine lining the boxes. of the cookies. Wow. That would probably be a good way to traffic drugs, you know? I put them in my Girl Scout cookie boxes. I feel like, I don't know if I made this up or if this was real. I should Google it, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to wing it. That's so fun. There was a group of Girl Scout cookies that set themselves up outside of illegal weed dispensers. Yes, I've seen that. And like, brilliant. Was brilliant. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Yep. And then, like, that's how you do business. Yeah. That's that's how you do business. Right. I love it. Love it. Wow. Um, the last thing I found that was the closest to an actual conspiracy theory, but was also like boring, is that a lot of Girl Scout cookies contain palm oil, which is produced really unsustainably by child labor. So I did find some like petitions and things like that for awareness that like they contain palm oil and therefore they're like bad for the world. And so some yeah. people want to call that it's not a conspiracy theory if the ingredients are on the box. Like That's not right. really what a conspiracy <laughs> theory is. Um, like we specifically said it right like they're not hiding that there's this oil Um, but there was some like anger about that on some of the forums i tried to find um but i really expected there to be like girl scouts are run by lizard people or something like that i guess the i guess the whole like planned parenthood thing's kind of a conspiracy theory yeah but yeah that's what i've got on the girl scouts but the cookie thing is everything is like the conspiracy behind why thin mints look slightly different different places my god that's incredible yep so that's what i got 
Well, that's it, folks. I mean, that's uh, the history of the Girl Scouts of the United States of America. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's them. I had a lot of fun reminiscing on things I didn't even realize I remembered. <laughs> so some good, some some not so good. I remember yeah. uh, going to camp and I didn't like it. Oh, so. no. I, that's why I was definitely never a Girl Scout. I think I've always been under the impression it's a little more outdoorsy than it actually is. But I think it really, I think when we would have been in Girl Scouts, it was more outdoorsy. I would say true. today it's definitely less outdoorsy. And I'll share a, or a, it can be more if you want. a childhood memory is that one time. So usually over the summer when I was a kid, I just stayed with my grandma during the day. I would like go to work with her because she owned a restaurant bar or like whatever. And one summer, my mom was like, you're going to go to summer camp. And she just meant like (laughs) summer camp. Like you go there during the day to like the YMCA and they watch you. Right. I heard the word camp and I lost my ever loving shit. I was in my room and I just remember screaming, I'm not going over and over again to the point that I vomited. Because I was so upset that she had told me I had to go to camp because I thought she meant outside camp. I thought I was going to have to be outside. And I had like the biggest tantrum a person could have. And I did not have to go to camp. (laughs) I went to grandma's, even though it was not like that kind of camp. She just said the word and I had like a full on fucking meltdown. I mean, like I always wanted to go to a camp that was like parent trap camp. That's probably the only type of camp that I I could stomach going to. Absolutely not. I, I love that you thought it was <laughs> like I thought I had to go to outside camp and was not okay with it. Like outside camp. <laughs> I was screaming. I remember being on my like prissy little canopy bed because I had a canopy bed and just like <laughs> screaming that I wasn't going. Oh my god, I love that. So, so that's who I was as a child. And I also- think I only went like once or twice and it was <sighs> I mean, I, I enjoyed it sort of, but I also had like a hard time making friends. I don't really know why I'm so personable, but like, <laughs> I feel like it was hard to make like friends that were also acquaintances that you were also sleeping next to. And like, yeah, I mean, I was also like used to going to my grandma's and I'm an only child. So I was like hanging out with adults, right? Like I was good doing yep. that. I wanted to just do what I was used to. But the idea that I would have to go outside was just too much for me to handle. I love that so much. So I was not oh my um, God. an adventurous child. <laughs> That's cool. You know what? It doesn't matter Mm-mm. because like you found shit that you like to do. Yeah. Is and one of just those things outside. ever learning to ride a bike? No. You don't know how to ride a bike? Nope. Wow. Who doesn't that. know how to ride a bike? Is Me. it David or Alexis? Oh, Alexis. Because Mutt buys her a bike. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Same. David also, I don't think, really does. So oh, I, don't I think doubt David does. Really know how to. Oh my god, what I'm a great sure. episode! Yeah, I'm sure David also doesn't. But the episode is about Alexis, who I relate <sighs> to because I don't know how to ride a bike and feel no need to ever learn. <laughs> oh my god! All right, folks, thanks for listening. <laughs> thanks for letting us just that's your trivia talk about about being me. a child back when things were a little bit easier than the hellscape that we find ourselves in now. Yay. Have a great day, night, evening, wherever the hell you are. And we will talk to you next week. Yes. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to What the History. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WTHistoryPod. If you'd like to email us, you can do that at wthistorypodcast at gmail.com, and we'd love to hear feedback or episode ideas or anything else you have to say. 
You can support us on Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash wthistorypodcast and get exclusive access to even more nerdy stuff. Don't forget to tune in every Thursday when new episodes are released, and we will see you next time.